Another episode of the Knee on Belly podcast. We are your hosts, Nate. J-O-N. B-R-A-N-D-O-N. Yeah. <laughs> Boys, today we are going to recap this past Saturday's UFC Fight Night main event. Derek Lewis versus Sergey Spivak. Then, oh, it's here, boys. UFC 284, Islam Akhachev versus Alexander Volkanovsky for the lightweight title. And yay. Rodriguez versus Josh Emmett for the interim featherweight title. And we're going to get you guys set up with our picks and, predict- picks and predictions for that. Then finally, and per usual, all the news and happenings in the world of mixed martial arts and more. But first, what's up, boys? Episode 119. Mm, coming up on 120. 120, that's what I weighed when I was a sophomore in high school. <laughs> So that's the Brandon sophomore weight. Yep, one twenty episode. Nice. We've had some good ones. We've had the Dwight Freeney episode, episode mm-hmm. ninety three. Remember that, John? Yep, that was a good one. That was a good one for you. Really good. Yep. We we need to start getting back to that where we start yeah. finding names for uh, episodes. Yeah. So we'll have to remember next week is the Brandon sophomore weight episode. Did you wrestle at that weight? Uh, yeah, one twenty. How good would you say you were at one twenty? Terrible. <laughs> I wasn't good at any weight. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I love it. Well, boys, uh, we're here right off the tail, like I said, uh, of the last night, 1 a.m. card. I have to know, did either of you stay up to watch this UFC fight night at 1 o'clock in the morning? So, actually, the plan was, so so I didn't stay up. The plan, because I had no other time to watch this other than waking up stupid early, like 6.30, to watch it before we had what we were doing this morning and all that. and. As usually happens, instead of waking up when my alarm goes off, I woke up at about four forty-five, Ouch. and I was like, "I'm just gonna you just s- miss the end." Yeah, I'm just yeah. like, "I'm just gonna stay up." And so I actually, that's when I watched it was four forty-five. I actually did stay up. I didn't. You did? Yeah. I didn't necessarily plan on it. Wait for the whole card? Yeah. What? Mm. I'm sitting there watching it, and it's. I'm you sitting s- what? You what? You, well, hold on. So, what time did you go to bed? Uh, after the about three thirty, four o'clock. Holy cow! That's when the, that's when the main card went off. Yeah, somewhere around there. <sighs> Um, but it was one of the things where it hit like 1230 and I was like, oh man, all right, well, if I get tired, I'll just watch the last ones. And then I was getting tired and there's like two fights left and I just like stood up and got me like some water and it's <laughs> like, all right, let's just push through this. Cause I don't want to have to catch it in the morning. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I was out at 1230. I went, I think I fell out like at 1230 and I kind of had it in me where I kind of thought the same thing. Like maybe I'll watch like the first couple, but then I'm like, I know me. <laughs> And if I start, I, it's just going to, it'll be three yeah, in the morning. Yeah, that's what I did. But yeah, there's no way. One of us had to do it, I feel like. So yeah, there you go. Well, boys, before we get to the results, John, rate, sub, follow, let the people know. All right, people, you know what we ask you to do, but we're going to keep telling you anyways. If you have an iPhone, we need you to go to Apple Podcasts, give us five stars, leave us a review. We read those. They help push us up in algorithms. On Spotify, you can also give us five stars. That helps as well. We're on social media, Neon Belly Podcast, on Instagram, on YouTube, and on TikTok, where we put exclusive content up there, some video content, things like that. So please come through, show us some love, and we'll have some great content for you. Let's go. You sure about that? Yeah, pretty positive, actually. <laughs> All right. That was pretty good. I don't mind it, John. Just Boy. Trying. <laughs> Just trying stuff, you know? Boys, let's kick it off right now. UFC Fight Night last night from the APEC. Well, this morning. I would say uh, 1 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for us. Our main event, Sergey Spivak defeating Derek Lewis via first round head and arm choke submission. And boys, what a performance here by Sergey Spivak. Uh, making it look easy against Derek Lewis has to be said. Um, mm-hmm. One thing I mentioned last week in the rundown for this was the trips for Spivak. Um, but I just didn't know if he would find success, especially to get to that clinch position and get close enough to Derek Lewis to initiate that. Um, but man, he had like very little trouble doing that against Derek Lewis. Uh, kind of got that over under position in the clinch and just sends Lewis to the mat with a nice little outside trip. And that's even underselling it because he kind of uh, hit. Um, he, I can't remember what that's called, where you almost pull the guy. Because he kind of first went for that trip where you pull the guy into him. Are you talking about the very first takedown? Yeah, the first one that kind of initiated all of this. Uh, it, to me, it looked like kind of just your t- standard headlock. 
I mean, maybe I am remembering no, that wrong. No, he kind of had an over-under, I believe, mm. if I remember, and then kind of got an outside trip on it. Well, he was in... You thought he had him over the head? Well, he definitely was in that scarf position at one point. And then well, because he, he landed in case Katami in side control. Right, but I thought that's because he initiated it from that I position. Know. I think he had the over-under and brought mm. him over and landed case I've, Katami. I'd have to reload. I've only watched Anyways, it It was a nice throw, for it sure. It was very nice, yeah, but I, I was kind of like the setup before that. Like, it was just, you can just see the level there for Sergey. Um, as it pertains to his judo and his trips there. Really nice technique. Um, but, yeah, I got that over-under. Um, I also questioned if Sergey would be able to hold Lewis down, and, boy, did he also prove me wrong there. Um, <laughs> like eight mat returns? I would just say mat return after mat return. Uh, just saw it seemingly impossible at that point for Derek Lewis to break away and get Sergey off of him. Um, because even, like, to try to break the hands and address that, it's like he just couldn't because Sergey was just hitting him the whole time, doing mm-hmm. a really good job of staying on him. Um, and eventually Spivak able to find that finishing position of the head and arm. Um, also, once again, set it up a little bit with some good ground and pound. Uh, but like I said, just an absolute statement, statement win here for Sergey, in my opinion. And to beat a guy like Derek Lewis in that fashion, it just can't be understated how impressive that is. Mm-hmm. I mean, now he has, you know, two submission victories over two really highly touted heavyweights and two of us and, and Derek Lewis to kind of yeah. prove his mettle in this. And then, like you said, the performance was just ridiculous. Um, I felt like Derek Lewis had some fight back, like some a little bit of fight back in him at first. But after eating those shots every time he was trying to get up and then constantly getting returned, after like the sixth one, one of them, he spiked his head into the ground. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> so it, it wasn't – he you could definitely tell that – you know, Derek Lewis was was fading fast, and then once it got even to the submission, I mean, his hand was up to tap as soon as he started s- snugging that down. Yeah, so. I think especially with heavyweights, when you when you're in that position with that kind of rear uh, body lock, it, I can just imagine how tired oh, Derek Lewis got yeah. after mm-hmm. about the fifth or sixth mat return. And you know, what more is there to do? Because you're just constantly fighting sure. the battle to get up. And like you said, he's raining shots the entire time. Yeah. I mean, just really not much. Lewis, no, no answer for that as far as Lewis was concerned, but and you can just tell that, like, and credit to Sergey for this is like this wasn't just like Derek Lewis getting tired or gassing too early, in my opinion. This was all calculated by Sergey that whole time because every time Lewis was coming up, he was staying heavy on him. At one point, I was I kind of went back and had to rewatch it a couple of times, but he was almost just like floating on Derek's back, like not really holding on, but just like making Derek and, and hitting him as Derek's getting mm-hmm. up, but also making Derek get up and carry that weight, both of their weight as he tried to get up. And just like I said, just too much there. Um, and that that just shows to his level there of, um, of grappling, in my opinion. And to me, Nothing in the, you know, obviously we talked about coming into this, not the greatest run of form currently for Derek Lewis, but to me that has no um, weight on this fight. I mean, this was just an impressive, and, and the thing is, is Sergey looked so good in his last one against Sakai and just continuing that dominance here mm-hmm. um, uh, against Derek Lewis. Like I said, I just, to me, you can't understate how impressive it is. Yeah, I felt like Derek Lewis was reaching for big punches early too, which isn't going to help in the terms of like, Sergey's attempt to close that distance and get a hold of him for the trip that he ended up hitting. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, you can't can't take nothing away, and that's a very impressive run. Yeah, he says he wants a top-five guy. Called out John Jones. Uh, probably not going to happen, obviously. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm not a big fan of Bisping pushing people to call somebody out after they say they don't want to. Yeah. Because, I mean, after, like, like oh, I don't know, I'll just fight whoever, and to keep on pushing for a name, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it puts guys in a weird position. This guy doesn't do a fight. Like, yeah. It's going to be hard to say something. That's why you just had to go, I guess, John Jones, give me him. So Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that was kind of the rebuttal to it, right? Just kind of like, okay, then give me the champ. <laughs> well, not the champ, but the guy fighting, you know. Right. Um, probably, obviously, like I said, not going to happen, obviously. Um, but he did just beat number seven, mm-hmm. um, and the only available guy right now is the former champ, Stipe Miocic. As far as somebody ranked above that number seven spot, I would assume Sergey's going to move into that over Derek Lewis. Um, I don't think that's the kind of return fight that is going to be looking for, um, but he just might have to take it kind of out of necessity here, you know, especially if Tom Aspinall is still a ways out. I haven't really heard any updates there. I don't know if you guys have. Mm-mm. I haven't really seen much about Aspinall, but... Um, I mean, that's a risky fight for Stipe to come out. Like I said, I don't think that's a fight he would want to return on, but is, I don't know. Is Blades booked? No, he's not. I thought he was. No, he was waiting. His last fight was Aspinon. He was trying to get John Jones. I'm on the UFC website right now. They don't have him booked. So I think that that's the fight. That would be a good one. Yeah, yeah, that'd be a great one, especially with both of them having, you know, really good grappling. Um, Blades is currently number four, so it, it would make sense. 
That would make a ton of sense. I could see Stipe probably wanting more of a Blades. I, I don't know. Like I said, Sergey is just—he's kind of just now making waves, coming up. It, it'd be a risky fight for a guy like Stipe. I to think Stipe is going to hold out to try to get the title shot yeah. against whoever wins. Sure. Uh, Derek Lewis left the. You know, I kind of told you guys I wondered if maybe if he lost here, we might uh, see him walk away. Um, I, I and Dana even said like Derek Lewis is going nowhere. Not doesn't have to worry about his place on the roster. And I said that last week. I don't think that would be an issue here. Um, I just kind of wondered what Lewis would want to do, but he does seem like a guy that likes it and loves it. And that's another thing for Sergey is Lewis came in in shape for this fight mm-hmm. too. So um, even that, you know, this was a very motivated, clearly Derek Lewis that really wanted to win. I all the pre-fight stuff I got, I saw, you know, he seemed very focused and really wanted to win this fight. So. Um, I assume he'll be back. And I saw people joking about him going down to 185 because <laughs> he looks so thin. Um, obviously, that's not going to happen. But, yeah, interesting to see what's next for him. Because, mm-hmm. like I said, I just I kind of had a vibe that, like, man, what would he really – what would be left after losing? Because, you know, I mean, he might not drop out of the top ten, but he's going to be right down there, around there. So, right. you know, and, and maybe you start giving him – more guys right down there. I mean, they always need big name heavyweights. So, like I said, that's why I knew it wouldn't be an issue of him going anywhere. But mm-hmm. it's just whether he would want to continue. And uh, as we sit here today, I haven't heard anything. So, um, I'm assuming he's still a go. But still sucked for him. But, man, good for Sergey. like yeah. I said. Sergey's first main event showed out. Now he's in a position to do something big for himself. Did quite a few things nobody else has done up to this point as far as holding. Well, I guess yeah. aside from the D.C. fight. but you That's know, another well. thing. I'm glad you said that because I thought that is like going back to the D.C., you know, I think it took D.C. like four rounds to finish Lewis. Didn't he finish uh, in the fourth or fifth? Definitely took at least two. I don't remember if it was I don't remember. Four. But like same thing, man. It's just like, that, like I said, I don't care where Derek Lewis is in his career. To go out and do that is impressive. I mean, mm-hmm. we've seen him get knocked out fairly recently, fairly fast. But, you know, like I said, he's such a tough guy to control and hold down. Just so big and powerful. So, uh, Sergey Spivak, man, welcome to the show. And I'm very interested to see what they do with him next. Uh, the next uh, result that we're going to touch on before we move on to UFC 284 from last night, boys, is Du Hu Choi versus Kyle Nelson ending in a majority draw. draw. Uh, the referee, Chris Tyone, uh, took a point from Choi in the third round for an apparent uh, headbutt there. On the replay, you you can definitely see it, right? It, it didn't see, but it didn't seem intentional. That was kind of my whole thing. So taking the point seemed a bit harsh to me. Uh, Dana White even said afterwards that he was going to pay Choi his win money um, because Choi would have won a decision on all three judges' scorecards had they not taken that point. Uh, but your guys' kind of thoughts on uh, the return of the Korean Superboy and his performance, and then obviously your thoughts on the point being taken away. You know, I thought the performance looked good. Like I said, I was kind of looking to see outside of that first round, Nate, you talked about him liking to come out early and really throw heavy leather. But in this fight, he was able to really display kind of that all-around uh, pedigree because there was a lot of grappling exchanges in this one. Um, but ta- who are you talking about? Choi. I said Nelson comes out. My Last week, it was Nelson kind of coming out. Usually, he's really What was your What was your question? Round. Just what you thought of was the performance. Oh, no. The, the overall performance. Just kind of his return and how he looked. Because I, I think what you're – I. The basis of what you're getting at is kind of what I thought. Is I thought it was actually more of a developed, mature performance, more well-rounded from what we've seen from Choi. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's the, so. Yeah, I mean, aside from that, the headbutt itself, um, I thought exactly what you said. It was a little bit harsh. I think it was Bisping who said something to the effect of setting a uh, a precedent as far as penalties like that go. You know, because on the on the one hand, yes, this was harsh, but on the other hand, I guess we do have a history of looking at issues like that and saying refs are a little lenient with things like that maybe not necessarily headbutts but groin strikes eye pokes that sort of thing and sometimes i don't know where necessarily he was going with that but then you wonder if 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 refs do get very strict about those sorts of penalties how that might shape up potential fights i think it's a slippery slope because some of that stuff is accidental yeah and and if you're gonna do that for that headbutt which i didn't feel like changed like i didn't like oh dazed him with the headbutt kind of grazed foreheads but that means if there's an eye poke, you should take a point. If there's a, a strike at the back of the head, you should take a point. I, well, I, Gra- fence grab, take a point. Because that's what they're basically saying is that if you break a rule, we're taking a point immediately. It's kind of like the John Jones elbow where there's not like a, a warning or a, hey, don't do that. Which it was part immediate. Of, but part of me wants to say, yeah. I mean, if you yeah. know how dire those consequences are, you're probably going to pay a little bit more attention right. to that fence grab or that eye poke. Or, but my other thing is I think when you look at, say, a headbutt versus an eye poke, 
typically headbutts are a lot more consequential in that you see a lot of knockdowns and you know the mm-hmm. uh, issues like that versus an eye poke. I, you know, I think those are, I'm speaking as someone who's not a fighter, a little easier to brush off sometimes right. than, say, a big headbutt. Well, and then they also um, didn't reset the position either. I thought that was weird after the headbutt to have them stand back up instead of go back to the position when they stopped it. I mean, you don't, if there's a penalty, <clears throat> you don't, though. You know, like yeah. if somebody gets kicked in the that's true. up kick. I, I mean, yeah, I, I see what you, and I kind of agree with that. I mean, I get the rule is there to protect the fighters. Um, so I do get stopping it, whether it was intentional or not. Um, it did open a cut, which probably needed to be addressed, you know. So it did happen, right? So I do get stopping. Uh, but, yeah, I just feel um, there either has to be some leniency there or there just needs to be zero tolerance mm-hmm. for every fight which I do not agree with necessarily because I do feel like that's when you start, we're going to start seeing like big title fights and stuff get ended on that. Um, but it would at least offer consistency, which I do mm-hmm. agree needs to happen at this point. I mean, the sports come so far and it's like, that's one thing that it's just kind of all over the place. Um, you guys know I've talked about it a lot. I'm a big proponent on video review and replay in the fight. And I think giving the referee that tool or having an assistant referee cage side or even in the back that has instant replay that can make a call in it, you know, rewatch it real quick and make a call, it's just a must. Like, we're so far past that being a thing in this sport. And I know, like I've talked about, I think the worry is that it could slow it down a little bit too much, but. You know, if there's the right training, the right technology, which the technology is there, I don't see why you can't look at that and make a split call of like, "Mm, yeah, but even then you would have to consider like there'd have to be some written language on what is intentional, what isn't, you know, because I saw some people saying that it looked like Nelson pulled him down, you know, Mm -hmm. I think it was just kind of like, it is what it is. It was just, it happened in the middle of the fight, kind of in two guys trying each doing one thing, right? Um but, like, yeah, I just I, – I weirdly feel like we've seen examples of it, but there just doesn't seem to be a consistent system for it um, in terms of the replay. Yeah. And like, I mean, we have seen them do that. Right. And, but, like, it just kind of happens out of nowhere. Like, and I don't even know if it's that it's <laughs> even in the rules or if it's just, like, a referee sometimes sitting cage side is like, hey, I just watched that replay and that didn't really happen. You know, is, I, I is don't know. Re- is the replay dependent on the state they're in? I, that's what I'm saying. I don't. I th- that's I th- what I was getting at. Is I don't know if that's just dependent on certain commissions offer that, but like it should just be a unanimous thing at this yeah. point. Because I think the only other thing, if you're not going to have that, to look at it and and then create the language around each thing, like what is a headbutt, what is a groin shot, an eye poke, like, and then what classifies that as intentional or or a foul, kind of like right? a flagrant thing in the NBA, right. where it's like there's levels of how sure. intentional or, or damaging it was. Yeah, so I do. It's not as simple as saying like, oh, let them rewatch it, you know, because it still puts that bias into it as far as like. Um, it's still going to be up for the interpretation of the referee of what they deem as like legal, not illegal, or intentional, not intentional. Um, but if you just come up with the language a- around it, I think it could at least help yeah. without slowing it down. Because I also don't want to slow the fights down and have, you know, we've seen in all sports where they take forever to make a call and you're just like, what is going on? Like, mm-hmm. get get to the point, you know what I mean? And, and this all kind of takes away from a – it doesn't take away. It's just part of fighting, I guess. But I thought Duhu Choi had a really great performance. I thought the leg kicks were really, really well. I thought he used his hands really well. and His grappling was super impressive. Yeah. Got out of some really bad spots against a, a, a Nelson who's very, very tight, um, very disciplined, and looked super strong in there. Um, unfortunately, it ends up in a draw. But I do think that uh, Duhu Choi kind of comes out as the, the better-looking fighter in this. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, like I said – Regardless, it's a three-year layoff. Coming back like that, not a bad performance, but it does suck that it kind of went down like that. But mm-hmm. I'm glad the conversation right there shifted to that because I do think there's a bigger discussion there in terms of, like, as the sport moves forward, is kind of figuring these things out. Because, like I said, I say it a lot, is it's one thing when it happens against Duhu Choi and Kyle Nelson, which, not to undersell it, because these are two guys that, you know, we even talked about could be on the verge of moving on from this roster with a loss. So it still matters. It's still important to them. You know, when your pay, when your fighter pay depends on fifty percent to win, fifty percent to show, or whatever, mm-hmm. it's a big deal to those guys. But I guess even for us as fans, I'm more saying it's one thing to happen in this fight; it's another thing if it were to happen in Islam versus Volk. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And then knock it, on some wood, man. Yeah, right. <laughs> I know, but I'm just saying, like, I don't want I don't want it to happen for these guys either. I don't want it to happen at any level. But um, it, it just is a thing, man. It's like, man, 
we got to figure that out. And I feel like the technology is there. It's just implementing the language around it. It's mm-hmm. just all it needs at this point. Um, Devin Clark getting a good win. Um, I thought he had a pretty good performance. Uh, uh, Daniel Fugit, I think, is mm-hmm. great elbow there. He was, like, probably the biggest underdog. Um, I thought he looked really good there. Um, nothing really else. I didn't watch any of the prelim stuff. Marston Tibera looked really good against. Tibera got a good mm-hmm. win. Uh, so, yeah, that's it. Uh, like I said, I will say just real quick because I did watch all the the prelim stuff. There were some really good winners out of that um, road to UFC for Asia. Yeah, uh, there's a Nakamura, I believe is his name. He had a really crazy knockout. Thirty three seconds left in the first round. Um, some of the other guys were really, really, really impressive. I definitely say if you get a chance, go back and watch those because there's some really impressive guys in there. Shout out to Sadiq Yusuf, um, one of the greatest breakdowns of this card I think I've ever heard in my life. Uh, honestly, if that would have came out last week, we probably wouldn't even have talked about. It. We would just would have played that <laughs> as our rundown for this fight. So, uh, if you have not seen that, go to his YouTube, Sadiq Youssef, and uh, watch him <laughs> talk about the card from last <laughs> night. Uh, what a genius, man! Uh, Brandon, before we get to UFC 284, though, give us our updated scores. I believe you're the only one that scored, though. Correct. I was the only one to score. I came away with two. So the current standings are you and John still tied with eight, and I have six. Alrighty, there it is. What about the verdict? I didn't look at that. <laughs> Your boy's still in second place, baby. I think I'm pretty sure that's just telling you who who landed in what place for the event. No, you can go to the season, too. I'm still in Yeah, there's place. a season option. Oh, I don't know how to do that. You're still in, like, eighth or seventh. Well, like, six people, though. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. Boy, <laughs> Boys, this Saturday, UFC 284 from the RAC Arena in Perth, Australia. And before we get to the fights, boys, a little fun fact about Perth is it was the home of the last blockbuster in Australia and the second-to-last blockbuster in the world. Whoa. Uh, The video store was located in the suburb of Morley and closed its doors forever in March of 2019, leaving just one blockbuster blockbuster still open in the world to this day, and that store is located in Bend, Oregon, here in the United States. I think it's like an Airbnb now. No, it's still open. I looked oh, really? it up. Yeah. They still had hours. I think it's only open like a couple of days out of the week, though. I don't think it's like an everyday thing, but still open. But Perth, Australia, second to last. Getting nice. it on getting on the board there. And boys, we're gonna jump right into it for the men's lightweight title. The champ, Islam Makhachev, will make his first title defense against the featherweight champ, Alexander Volkanovsky, moving up. For the champ champ status. I love it. Because boys, this is as super as super fights get. Um, I believe this is the biggest lightweight title fight since Conor McGregor versus Habib Nurmagomedov. Um, and this fight is, to me, for it, it's for so much more than just the lightweight title. Because Islam isn't the only one bringing and putting something on the line in this fight. Because Volkanovski is also bringing in his number one pound for pound ranking. Mm-hmm. And he's putting that on the line as well um, because I do think if Islam wins, he will probably assume that position. And that's maybe number two. Yeah, I mean, that's that's something we can kind of argue next week if he does win. But nonetheless, Islam wasting no time and going for that ranking and doing it in probably the hardest way possible. Um, When he beat Charles Oliveira for his title back in October, he said he wanted Volk and he wanted him in his native country of Australia. And here we are. Uh, both of these men have similar records. Islam 23 and 1 and is on an 11 fight win streak in his career. And Alexander Volkanovsky 25 and 1, boys, currently on a 22 fight win streak in his career. That's just insane in 2023 in mixed martial arts. Um, really, in any decade. The loss was at welterweight. Yeah. Um, as I mentioned, Islam coming in off his debut title win over former champ Charles Oliveira and Volk coming in off his statement win and performance, uh, statement performance as well in the trilogy fight with Max Holloway last July. Um, and where I want to start with this whole fight in this main event is kind of what I think is the biggest talking point heading into this fight in this matchup, and that is the size discrepancy. Um, and I guess I kind of want to start by saying something and throwing my hands up as I'm guilty of all of this that I'm about to say. <laughs> so uh, this is me almost talking to myself, I guess, in a sense. Um, 
I don't think size is going to be a huge issue for Alexander Volkanovsky in this fight. Um, I understand that size and reach definitely are a factor in fighting. So I'm not that naive um, to say that it completely doesn't matter. Um, but like, let's just run like a little impromptu facts don't care here. And I really... I hope that, you know, this might be a little all over the place, but I hope somewhere in here you guys kind of get what I'm saying. So if, if anything of this gets lost, you guys stop me because I want it to translate a little bit, <laughs> if you can, because this is me in my head. You want to know how I come up with my picks? It's stuff like this, okay? Um, but for starters, uh, Volk is giving up four inches in height, but he actually has a one-inch reach advantage over mm -hmm. Islam Makhachev. Uh, Volk is deceptively long for this featherweight division in his, well, his home division of featherweight at 71 and a half inch reach. Um, he has actually had a longer reach in all of his title fights with the exception of the Korean zombie who has not just a longer reach than Alexander Volkanovsky, but the zombie actually has a longer reach than Islam as well. So mm -hmm. keep that in mind. Um, so that leaves the height, right? Um, in every single one of Volk's title fights. So we're just looking at title fights here. He has given up a height advantage to all of his opponents, max three times, obviously Korean zombie and Brian, Ortega all taller than him um, also worth mentioning uh, Max Holloway taller than Islam Makhachev um, and yes a lot of those numbers are they differ by just inches half inches some of them mm -hmm. um, but I think that almost further shows how little it's all going to matter come Saturday night um, now I would subscribe to the strength argument a bit right and and things that we can't necessarily see on paper like we can with height and reach um and I think we can all agree that Islam will probably be the strongest guy Volk has faced in the cage. Uh, we would be naive to not think that, but we would mm -hmm. also be naive to not think that Volk isn't just as strong, if not stronger than some of the guys that Islam has faced as well. I mean, though Volk often appears to be the smaller guy in the cage, we've definitely seen him bully guys around at featherweight. I mean, mm -hmm. look no further than his last fight with Max. Volk is probably physically one of the strongest featherweights in that division. Um, so I think having said all that, this matchup should and deserves to be looked at as purely skill versus skill. If you want to say Islam's a way better wrestler than Volk has ever seen, fair. We can get into that one, right? Mm -hmm. uh, if you want to say maybe the pressure that Islam presents or might present in this fight could give Volk some problems. Once again, that's all fair. But I think just to put it on size, that's so unfair to both guys coming into this. Um, and once again, like I said, I'll throw my hands up as someone that when this fight was announced way back, um, I was I was subscribing to that as well. I was the guy that was like, yeah, man, he's just kind of too small and stuff. But maybe it's some of this stuff I've seen with Volk, you know, these behind the scene, these camp videos and stuff uh, that are getting to me a little bit. But I just really started thinking about that. I'm like, man, but he's always kind of been undersized, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and like I said, even in the strength thing, I think Islam will be stronger than he's ever faced, but man, Volk's a strong dude, man. Like, dude, you weigh two hundred pounds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but we've just seen it even in his featherweight fights. I mean, mm -hmm. some of the things that he's been able to accomplish in there, it's like, man. Um, I mean, skill for skill, like I said, he's the best in the world, probably. I mean, he deserves that number one ranking. But how do you get out of a freaking? triangle from Brian Ortega, you know what I mean? Like, how do you survive? Like, there's there's something physically gifted there that Volk has because... Oh, no neck. That I don't know. A bowling ball, man. I don't know, but people don't get out of that, no, you know? And, yeah. and there's no... I mean, there's really no technique in how to get... I mean, when it's locked up like that, we all three... Just breathe. ...do jujitsu, <laughs> and we know, like, there's very little that you can do when you're dead... Dead to right. Yeah, yeah, you're done there. Mm. So, I just think coming into it... Um, I just think it's, it, we just can't look at it as just like, oh, Islam's bigger because even if Islam wins, that's not fair to him. Mm -hmm. But then, if, you know, you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Yeah, I was going to say, if you're going to, the narrative can't be like an excuse for who won either way. Right. It can't be, oh, well, Islam wasn't really as tested. He only beat Charles, blah, blah, blah. And it can't be Volkanovsky was small. Like this is literally. Well, and now people are throwing in the wool. Habib's not coaching him. That's a whole right. other narrative that's getting thrown around. I know that. But I would be more behind that. Just because I think that could be something that affects Islam more, maybe in the lead up or day to day or his preparation. Mm. I, I'm not, you know, really going down that. For me personally, that's not something I'm looking at. Mm. Um, but I could even get more into that idea than just being like, oh, Volk's just smaller. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Because then, like I said, if Islam wins, um, that that's not even fair to Islam to be like, oh, he just beat him because he's bigger. And, yeah, and no, I, I don't even think Volk as a fighter would want that to be like, Oh, I just lost because I'm the smaller guy. Like, that's mm -hmm. not why he's doing this. This isn't mm -hmm. like a free shot. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Uh, and even he's been say, very, very vocal. It's like, 
remember how good you guys say Islam is. So when I beat him, you give exactly. him my credit. Because he's a guy who hasn't got credit for a lot of his career, even with his max wins. Yeah. Yeah. People until this last one, people really didn't want to give him his credit for sure. it. So I agree. It'll be interesting to see, you know, the outcome of whoever wins, how the the narrative is. But I know for us, it definitely is the number one pound for pound against the number two pound yeah. for pound. So. Both guys so deserving of that. And like I said, cannot understate how massive this fight is. And the fact that we're already here gets me excited. But guess what? It's time to put our money where our mouths are. And we're going to send it to Brandon. Brandon, who are you taking for this main event? Islam round three submission. Nice. Yeah. I, I spent a lot of time thinking about this. I went back me and I too. looked through. Uh, the thing that gets me is just the fight with Ortega and Volk. I think if Ortega can get there with Volk, I think Islam can get there faster and he can stay there. And I think he's going to have more ability to finish. The way he jumped on Oliveira, I, I guys, just think something like that. Yeah. You guys want to hear something? I literally made a pie chart. Like, I've been trying to, like, find so many different I've been flipping things. flipping coins. I've been doing spinning <laughs> wheel roulette. Exactly. I, I just, I don't know, man. And, like, I've tried to, like, reason every different thing to where I'm, like, even if I weigh out the pros and cons, okay, for me, like, things that I might look at, I think everything in me leans towards Islam for this fight. Um, I think if you weigh it out enough, that's kind of where it lands. But I'm going Alexander Volkanovsky here, boys. And there is just something, I think at the end of the day, for me, something has to outweigh all of that. And it's just this, like, self-belief and confidence. And it's in Australia, uh, which could be a really cool story for Islam as well, to go do it. And the way that he mm. called his shot to go do it is pretty cool, if he wins especially. But there's just something about where Volk is and the things that I'm hearing him say, I think, I believe, I love what I hear that he's, you know, positionally working on certain things. Um, because I think if you sit and try to like break down what each guy is good at, you know, somebody with a better mixed martial arts mind could probably do that and come to a better conclusion. But as far as what we look at, things that I'm thinking, I just, something in me tells me Volk has it right now, man. I just have this feeling. And I'm a massive fan of both guys, so don't yeah, take my yeah, pick as, no, as, sure. as if that's a knock on Volk. It's not mm -hmm. at all. I would love to see him win. It's just, I, yeah, that's that's where I'm leaning. John. Did you say your uh, oh, method? Man. See, now it gets even harder. I didn't think about this part. <laughs> I didn't do a pie chart for that. Dang yeah, it. yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, man, how would... You know what? I think it's Alexander Volkanovsky. We've seen Islam knocked out. That's the other thing, you know, I would I would mention. That one thing I wrote down is Islam is not this unstoppable force. Granted, it was a long time ago. He's so much better, and I, and I understand all that. But we have seen him touched. We have seen him hit. Volk's not really the kind of guy that knocks people out, though. That's the only thing. So, you know what? But I also, <laughs> I don't know, because now I'm about to change my pick, because I'm also thinking, like, I don't know if Volk could beat Islam by a decision. Um... Boy, ah, boys, I'm just going to have to say Alexander Volkanovsky by decision, but I hate that pick. <laughs> and so, and so, I, I like the Volk pick, but I hate, I don't, see, this is what I'm saying. Like when you start weighing the pros and cons or, you know, mm -hmm. where you land, it's like, man, it, everything kind of points me back to, I, I'm having a hard time finding a path, but maybe he just picks him, stays on the outside, is able to avoid the takedowns gets taken down maybe he's able to find a way up and and really kind of frustrate islam on the feet maybe he gets him to make a mistake um but man that's that's easier said than done for mm -hmm. sure so when i look at this um it's just as tough as you guys were saying um i do think that the australia thing could be interesting and then not having habib in his corner could play a part like we haven't seen that from these guys yet and he's he's such a a, a staple and a symbol for them um, to push through and, and as their coach and all that and their leader. Um, I do think it's interesting, too, for Volkanovski is just I think his leg kicks become interesting. Yeah. And I think that I don't think he's going to be – like, if you get on his back, I think he kind of – he's so, just like I said, a bowling ball. I don't know how you really grab him and attack him. Obviously, we've seen, like, the guillotine and the uh, triangle from Ortega, but I don't necessarily think, like, a, a triangle is Islam's, like, go-to. Part of me think. well, I know he's really good at arm bars. Part of me thinks he'll get his arm and Volk won't tap, but he'll just break it. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I could see that. Happening. That could very well happen. And I think for me, the, the decision or the deciding factor is we're talking about – the number one pound for pound guy or fighter of the year who's done nothing but impress his past yeah. however many fights. Not to say that Islam hasn't, but the people that, you know, uh, Volkanovski is doing this against two in the past, you know, three, four fights are very, very impressive. So I'm actually going to lean Volkanovski as well. I would not have guessed. 
and I'm going to say uh, fourth round TKO. Man, I was I was coming into this thinking all three of us were going to go Islam. Really? But I think I spent a lot of, probably too much time thinking about what you guys are going to do. Yeah. I thought we were all going to go Islam here, so there's that surprises just, me. There's just something to all of this that just, I don't know what it is, man, and I, I might be way off, but I just love Volk's chances here for some reason. His, his striking is very, very crisp. I think he's going to be super fast. And like I said, I think if the leg kicks can start landing early and it puts Islam in a chance where he has to maybe take some bad shots, he could end up under him. And yeah, I think he's just getting Islam at a – like if you're going to fight him, it's a good time to do it now, early. You know, maybe see if they're – you know, that pressure of being the champ could weigh on him differently. We've never seen Islam the champ, right? So mm-hmm. he's getting him at a good time. Um, in his home country, so. Yeah, you can't really script it much better. And I, and I said, I saw that behind-the-scenes thing. Uh, I think it was c- the company called Main Event did mm-hmm. in the lead-up. And, yeah, I watched that, and I'm like, all right, man, I'm with you, Volk. I'm with you on this, dude. I, but, dude, this is – and I'm, I'm a sucker for a good underdog, right? This just kind of has that, like, Rocky, Ivan Drago feel mm-hmm. to it. Yeah, I, as long as a minus 380, and uh, Volkanovski is a plus 300. Yeah, I just – there's something to it. I don't know. I definitely wouldn't put money on it, though. <laughs> uh, our co-main event boys for the interim featherweight title. Brandon, take us away. All right, guys. We have the number two, Yair Rodriguez, in the featherweight division. He is facing the number five, Josh Emmett. Um, Rodriguez is 9-2-1 and one since entering the UFC. He's coming in following his TKO victory over former title challenger Brian Ortega, which was kind of a weird one. Ortega had that shoulder injury. Mm-hmm. Um, prior to that, Rodriguez had a very fun fight of the night with Max Holloway, which mm-hmm. some people thought he won, um, but nevertheless came away with a loss in that one. Worth noting, Rodriguez has five fight of the night awards and three performance of the night awards since he's been with the UFC. Josh Emmett is 9-2 and two as well since joining the UFC. He has won fight of the night in two of his last three performances. His last fight, he won the split decision against Calvin Cater. Um, he's currently riding a five-fight win streak into this fight. This fight is for the interim featherweight t- title, which current champ Volk is moving up for his double champ status. So the winner of this one pretty much gets an immediate shot against Volkanovski when he returns to yep. 145. So yep. this one, obviously, with the with the awards these guys have brought into it, has potential fight of the night, potential mm-hmm. performance of the night for either of these guys written all over it. Um, and it's obviously got a tough uh, act to, to proceed with uh, Islam and Volk. But if anybody can do it, these two are very possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, well, you're our first picker, Brandon. Roll it into it. Oh. And let me just say, talk about a lonely hard boys card for John. Holy cow! <laughs> we need a. Uh, we, I'm gonna. I need to come up with a sound effect. It needs to be like an airplane, like a, like lonely hard boy incoming. Because plot t- or uh, pop or what, what would be the word? Uh, spoiler plot, alert. Spoiler alert. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> spoiler alert. I can already tell you where John's going. This one was. This one's really tough for me. I can't. I picked on verdict, but I don't remember what I chose, honestly. Um, part of me thinks that if Emmett's going to win, it has to be by a TKO or knockout. I think that Yair has the better striking. I think he's a little more well-rounded with his striking ability. Um, but Emmett has a little bit of a, of a decent grappling pedigree. I think I looked at his one takedown per 15 or per round or per 15 minutes. I don't yeah, he averages one. Okay. Um, yeah, it's not very high. But no. uh, a little bit of Lonely Heartboard for me. I'm a fan of Emmett, man. I, I really like watching him fight, but this is a tough one. Um, so I'll, I'll go with Emmett. I know John's going to go with Yair. I'll just stay on the opposite <laughs> side of the board of you guys. You so know, I'll go uh, I'll go Emmett. I'll say unanimous decision. Yeah, I'm super pumped for this matchup. Um, and I agree. I think it has fight of the night written all over it. Um, I'm really glad both of these guys are getting this opportunity too, as both do deserve it. Um, and the timing was perfect for Volk to go up and challenge this lightweight uh, title for the lightweight title to make this interim title fight happen. Because remember, we were like, "Who gets it?" You know, we knew it was kind of between these two, but it was like, "Man, this is a perfect way to settle it." Um, I think Josh Emmett is as powerful as any featherweight in this division. He has that big, scary overhand right that he looks to throw a lot. He does maybe spam it a little bit too much at times. But man, when it lands, it's it just it's devastating. Uh, so have at it, my friend. I mean, throw throw it a, bombs away. Mm-hmm. Like who am I? Because <laughs> I mean, he does find ways to land it. Um, I also think uh, Emmett's most dangerous in his stand up when he is moving forward. Um, and I 
I don't know. There's something in me that I just think, though, that that's going to play into Yair's game a little bit. Uh, Yair is probably the most well-rounded and most diverse striker in this division. His combos are lethal, and the way he mixes and kicks creates so many problems for his opponents. His elbows, we've talked about as well, are just insane. Um, one technique that he likes to, uh, that really stands out to me for this fight specifically, is his front kick. Mm-hmm. Um, he whips that thing almost like a jab, you know, with next to no telegraphing and against a shorter opponent in Emmett, I could just really see that being a game changer for him. Um, and I think Emmett could surprise us, maybe going back to his wrestling a bit and having some success, you know, we don't see it a ton from, like as of lately, like you guys mentioned, it's not a big part of his game or hasn't been recently. Um, but even when, uh, or but even then, I mean, Yair has some pretty solid takedown defense, and also one thing for Yair, pretty underrated guard game mm-hmm. off his back, in my opinion. Um, both of these guys are su- super durable, always in great shape, so I do think it goes long. So give me El Pentera by unanimous decision. Nice. Well, obviously, spoiler has already been put out, but uh, <laughs> but for Yair, man, I I really like, um, like you said, the guard. I think he has he's. He doesn't have as many. He doesn't have subs recently, but he attempts almost a sub a a, a fight. Yeah, and I do think that the front kick and all that. But I also think that the Calvin Cater fight was really tough for Josh Emmett, and I think yeah, you're presents similar problems with being a long fighter who will go forward. Um, he tries very unconventional things, and he has a gas tank. I mean, even in those late rounds against Max Holloway, they're still he's still throwing. If you remember the Korean zombie fight, this dude throws a buzzer beater yeah. over the shoulder elbow and, and you know wins a fight. I think Yair's been in there with better competition, and I think Emmett has had some you know decisions against some really good strikers and Dan Ige and Calvin Cater, but I think Yair has a little bit more um, of an X factor as far as his ways to finish, whether it be a head kick or or, you know, using his his leg kicks to kind of put make Josh Emmett a standing target. So I'm going to take Yair Rodriguez by a third-round TKO. Look for both guys to be cut open in the first round as well. <laughs> both of these guys, they just, like, always are cut by the, like, within the first couple of minutes. So, mm-hmm. and, I mean, the carnage that both of them bring would not surprise me either. Uh, but there's your prop bet of the day right there. <laughs> If you can find that out there. Uh, John, set us up for our final uh preview fight for this card all right for our last fight we're going to be previewing jack della madalena versus randy brown um if you listen to our year in awards you know that we've been big on jack on the hype train he's voted our rookie of the year with three first round t- uh, ko's last year jack was put the welterweights on notice after losing his first two fights in his pro career since went on to win 13 and not to one to shy away from a tough fight his opponent randy rude boy brown uh, coming off four straight victories, including wins over Alex Oliveira, Chaos Williams, and most recently Francisco Trinaldo. And he's fought some of the toughest guys at 170 when you talk about Luke A, uh, Nico Price, Bilal Muhammad. This will be Jack's biggest test to date, and he'll give Brown a chance to submit his claim as a name to watch. Randy will have to use his height and reach advantage um, to keep the surging and aggressive Maradalena away or at bay, while Jack needs to look at slick boxing and footwork to get close to close the distance. And this has potential to be a dark horse fight of the night. Mm. I'm first. Yep. Jack. Is it De La Maddalena? Is that right? Mm-hmm. First round KO. All right. Well, Brandon, way to break <laughs> that dang fight down, man. I'm like blown away by that. Uh, I don't even need to say anything. As our 2022 Rookie of the Year, as John mentioned, we all have high expectations here for Jack. Uh, but this fight, I think, could be a bit closer than the odds suggest. I think Brandy Brown's a huge favorite here, if I remember seeing uh, Plus it. 250. Or, I, I mean, or, uh, underdog. Yeah, I he's mean. a plus 250. Yeah. Jack's a minus 310. Uh, the fact that Randy Brown gets that frame down to 170, a 6'3", and almost 80-inch reach is pretty amazing. Um, and he's obviously at his best, in my opinion, when he's staying long and fighting behind that jab, like John said. I think Brown is also pretty sound defensively, as he has shown, shown some really nice head movement in a lot of his fights. Um he also has some pretty underrated takedowns as well mm-hmm. um, that he could look, I think may look to utilize here against Jack, who's a super dangerous striker. Uh, but for Della Maddalena, I think Luke kind of wrote the book on how to beat Randy Brown, and that's pressure and leg kicks. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if even in Brown's last few wins, we've seen his opponents have success with leg kicks. Um, now we've seen Jack, we have not seen, I mean, Jack throw a ton of leg kicks in the UFC, but I have to assume he has that in his locker, and it's something that they've worked on coming into this fight. Um, it'll be a bit of a question if he's 
comfortable throwing them in the fight. Because like I said, I kind of went back and watched. I was like, man, it's not really something he does a lot. Uh, but if he can soften those legs up and get Rude Boy thinking about them, I think it really could open up the holes that he's going to need to get inside, get his hands off. Off. I'm also giving Jack the Aussie bump, fighting in his hometown of Perth. Um, I'd be shocked if it's another first-round finish for Jack. Um, and I think of it is this guy may be even better than we thought because, like I said, Randy Brown is tough, and he creates a really tough matchup here. Um, but I will take... Take second round TKO for Jack Della Madalena. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys on this one. I think, you know, with Jack, he lands almost double the amount of signature strikes per minute at the same clip that Randy Brown does, which is crazy because Randy Brown is a very good striker, very slick. Um, I do think it's going to take him a minute to get inside that reach as well. Um, leg kicks will definitely be where it's at, and he will have to watch out for um, some takedowns because if you're Randy Brown, you know, you don't play around with standing with in front of this guy too long sure. than you have to, and you want to give him things to think about. Um, but I'm actually going to take Jack Della Maddalena for a decision. I think it's going to take him a minute to get to Randy Brown, and Randy Brown is going to have some success as well. But I also think that the way that Jack can switch his stance is going to help him get into the reach a little bit more sure. and not be so uh, dependent on just a left jab, but being able to switch it up and go into the other side. Also on this card, boys, Parker Porter versus Justin Toffa. Two heavyweights coming in with both of them have some consecutive wins in a row, I believe there. Alonzo Menafield versus Jimmy Crute. <laughs> Both guys with consecutive losses need some wins here. And then one that I have circled on the prelims, I believe it's the main event, Tyson Pedro versus Modestos Bukowskis. I'm really, really interested to see that fight. Um, kind of leaning Tyson Pedro there a little bit. Mm -hmm. He's somebody I've really been impressed with his last few. But that is UFC 284, as we mentioned, this Saturday, February 11th in <laughs> Perth, Australia. Um, and thank God that the UFC did not decide to put this one on. <laughs> During Australian time, because yeah. that would be rough. John, let's get into the news. Going on the news. Mm, going on the news. Mm, mm. If you don't like it, Brandon will punch you and give you a bruise. The news. All right. Well, as we alluded to last week as a possibility, it's now a reality as Michael Chandler will be coaching opposite of Conor McGregor for the 31st season of The Ultimate Fighter, which will air May 30th through August 15th, with both men expected to fight each other by the end of the year. Chandler saying that they will be fighting at 170 and are targeting a September fight date. To add to that timeline, though, it was reported that as of February 4th, Connor still hasn't re-entered the USADA yeah. drug testing pool per USADA officials. It's not required for the Ultimate Fighter coaches to be in the pool, but he'll still need to have a six months in before he can fight. Yeah, interested to see when he's going to jump in. Uh you know, because that's going to obviously set up the timetable for the fight. I think that's why the September thing makes sense. Because it's going to be six weeks worth of the show. So if you jump yeah, in during May there. To, May to July was when it was going to... No, May 30th to August 15th. That's okay. That's airing or that's filming? That's when it's airing. So I guess it'll be filmed before... Probably start filming soon. Yeah, so... Um, but yeah, I mean, we talked about Chandler. Obviously, you put it in your uh, fight yeah, card. You both not, did it. Not going to happen on International Fight Week, but... Uh, yeah, nonetheless, mm. glad, I'm glad to see that happening. And uh, I mean, I've seen people like some people kind of upset with the Tony Ferguson being out. But like I said last week, when Tony Ferguson said that he had been offered, I <laughs> definitely wasn't buying that unless it was like a UFC hitting him up. Like, hey, if Chandler says no or if Connor says no, would you be willing to go? Um, interesting that it's at welterweight. I will say mm -hmm. that, especially for Chandler, uh, to be willing to move up to that weight. To, but, I mean, he'd probably move up to heavyweight to fight Connor, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> for mean. an opportunity like that. Well, it's not like Connor is like this, like, you know, welterweight who should be fighting at middleweight. Sure. So it's it's not as it's not like yeah, they're fighting yeah, like a sure. Usman or well, something. Like for Chandler too, who's I don't remember what his exact record is, but he uses like two and three or something like that. Something like that. You know, yeah. I mean for his next fight to be against Connor, it's couldn't really get any better than that for him. So I'm sure it's a fun matchup, man. Yeah. Did you see uh, what Jake Paul said about it? Uh -uh. He basically said that uh boxing fans and in, in the brass can learn from MMA because you have Connor and Michael Chandler, who both have been coming off of losses, haven't really done a lot, but they're huge names. Sure. So, you know, you're doing it for the name and the, the bigness of the fight instead of necessarily what they've been doing recently. Yeah, I mean, don't really expect either of them to get title shots after this. Unless well, it's Connor. Come on. <laughs> unless it's Connor. Come on, now. Yeah. You, you know if Connor wins, what's I did, going on? <laughs> I did see a hilarious tweet that they said that uh, they should have Tony Ferguson on there and he should have to try to steal members off of each other's teams yeah. throughout the whole season <laughs> or let him be no. an actual participant. <laughs> Go with me here. Hold on. Go with me here. Let's give Tony Ferguson an NWO sting role. 
or WCW, I mean, where he's just up in the rafters randomly, like just comes oh. down and Umanari rolls somebody. <laughs> he overlooks Ankle the pick. he overlooks the training and it just like cuts to him up in the rafters looking down on him with a baseball bat. But he actually has a baseball with him. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not even a bat, it's just a baseball and sunglasses. <laughs> Is he gonna throw that? Like I don't know. Uh, I love it. Uh, but uh, no, very excited. I mean love, I, love Tony Ferguson too, by the way. I mean, I, I don't know if I've been this excited for some coaching matchups since the I, I'll be honest with this makes me so excited for the ultimate fighter. Mm-hmm. I will watch every single episode of this. There's, I mean, obviously it's going to be f- hilarious. And I think <laughs> Chandler actually will offer a little, you know, like John, you'd sent the clip of Connor uh, in favor and favor some of their back and forths. And just, I mean, favor was never a good trash talker. No. Obviously Chandler's done a good thing. The only thing I think, here's my prediction. I think Chandler comes in with a lot of pre-written scripted stuff because mm-hmm. he knows he's going to get owned, and so it might come off a little bit corny. That's my. Well, I feel like that's part of his shtick, though. He like all I get. You know stuff. what? That's fair. Yeah, because like the whole Ric Flair thing. Yeah, that one, his first one. Yeah, that's a good point. That's fair. I think. Yeah, I think he rides that well. Yeah, I did see uh, Gordon Ryan also tweeted out like, if anybody needs a jujitsu coach, let me know. <laughs> because obviously, hey, Donner did it for if, uh, GSP. Mm-hmm. Well, and then uh, Craig Jones did it for Volkanovski, yeah. but mm-hmm. I think it was also gunned at Dylan Danis how he was Connors last year and they don't want to kind of give him that spotlight anymore after all the weird stuff he's been going through Mm so did you Uh, guys see that whole thing that website that or it's like a YouTube channel that basically caught him up uh -uh. Luke Thomas tweeted it they basically caught like I'll I'll show you. I mean, yeah. it does, it's probably a bad thing to bring up right now on the podcast, but you can go to Luke Thomas's Twitter and check it out. But he basically like some YouTube channel. They're gonna post the video I think today or tomorrow. But they caught him up that he's like obviously scamming people out of like fake Bitcoin or uh, not Bitcoin, but oh the NFTs cr- thing. NFTs. Yes, I did see that. Yeah, so that's sketchy hours, but we'll see how Ultimate Fighter, obviously, it's going to be really big news. Um, Also, big news, UFC and Logan Paul announced that Paul Sports Drink Prime will now be the UFC official global sports drink partner. With this deal, Prime will get unprecedented branding in the Octagon at all UFC pay-per-views and fight nights, as well as Dana White's Contender Series and the Ultimate Fighter. The new branding will include ownership of the Octagon's well-known red and blue corners, which will be renamed the Prime Hydration Recovery Zones. Mm -hmm. Also, on the the newly uh, announced or newly launched octagon shaped cornerman stools. Uh, they will be exclusive presenting sponsors for UFC weigh or pay-per-view weigh-ins and get branding opportunities at the UFC PIs in Vegas and Shanghai. I've never had the strength. Okay. So listen to me. Okay. Cause I don't <laughs> want to come off like a UFC brand boy here. Mm. I, and John can attest to this. I have been drinking prime since in its prime, like before it's prime, right? <laughs> yeah, pre-prime. Dude, like I was like ordering like when they first came out. And I don't even know how it came on my radar because I don't follow like Logan Paul or anything. Mm-hmm. I don't follow KSI. It might have popped up in an ad. And I don't even think when I first tried it, I knew it was their drink. Um, but somehow I had it. Love it. <laughs> I love this drink. So. What would you compare it to? Uh, better than Gatorade. <laughs> like, Are I, you even a Gatorade? I don't think I've ever seen you drinking Gatorade. No, it's not... I got a whole thing with Gatorade that I, that's not for this podcast, but no, I, like Gatorade, Powerade, like no. I'll sometimes drink the uh, like the sugar-free Gatorade ones, the like lighter colored Zero. ones. Zero. There you go. Mm-hmm. I'll drink those sometimes, uh, but man, Prime is like fantastic, and I've never had a bad flavor. I've tried mm. all the flavors. It's like a coconut water base, I think. Yeah, and it's, it's probably not, not real great for you, but... It's like, supposed to be less sugar, stuff like that, but I I do know that they're huge, especially like international. Like, there's countries that can't oh. even keep it in stock. Um, so this is... Them. It's huge for Dana White, which is interesting because, obviously, Logan Paul's doing this, but Jake Paul's been very vocal against Dana White, and um, yeah. so, so that that probably causes a little bit of mm. weird stir. But for the UFC, it's a huge chance oh. to jump on something that's... I saw somebody put, like, said something about... They, like, tagged Jake Paul in something and were like, you know, you're always talking about fighter pay. How much money do the fighters get from your brother's sports drink being yeah. in the UFC? Like, how much are they going to give? But... I will say, I love Prime. Yeah. <laughs> so this, I like. I think they replaced Body Armor, is what it was. That yeah, drink, Body but, like, Armor had it first. I never had that, so like you know, I don't. It might have been decent, but it, it isn't too bad. It's okay. Drink Prime. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't know how I'm gonna feel about in the Prime Hydration Recovery Zone, it's Red bit, Recovery Zone. It's a bit this wor- fighter. It, it is a bit wordy, but here's what I'll say because I've seen people like talk about that. Guys, it's still the red corner or the blue corner. Right. They might say it on the broad. You know, obviously, they're going to read it out. But 
It's still just the red corner, blue corner. And I think they read they're going to use it to like highlight instances where hydration was key in fights and sure. stuff like that. So mm, that'll be interesting. There's going to be some weird promo, but it happens in every sport. Yeah. It's just like give somebody stuff. People, I think it just gives people stuff to complain about. But who cares? I do wonder if this clashes with their monster deal as well, unless they're just going to keep sports drinks and energy drinks separate. They are. Yeah, that's that's what I because Prime has an energy drink as well. Okay, oh so boy. I saw what I saw is Monster is the official energy drink, okay. and Prime is the official sports. So they'll drink. have to have two bottles in front of them when they're doing the uh, interviews and stuff. They so might. Interesting. Um, we do had some some Bellator fights last night. Um, Lorenz Larkin walking off what might be <sighs> one of the nastiest elbow knockouts I've ever seen in my life. Insane. Um, I, we haven't decided. You know what, matter of fact, just because yeah. he planted this guy. Oh. He just immediately fell to his face and was dead. We haven't put a non-UFC person in the knockout of the year, but this one might need to get a little honorable yeah, mention. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, I'm, you're, you're right. And I, I'm going to write that one down. I mean, because the thing is, is like, that's... that's he really set it up so cool, oh, Walked him right into it. And Lorenz Larkin, you know, good for him. Obviously, he was in the UFC for a while. Had kind of like a back and forth yeah. in Bellator, but that's huge for him. Um, middleweight champion Johnny Elbin defends his... A title against Anatoly Tokov yeah. with a huge performance that a lot of people were clamoring for a matchup against current UFC middleweight champion Alex Pajeda just because of the way he wrestles. He was he dumps people. He beat Gegard Mousasi in, uh, in a similar fashion, and he's looking like somebody who the Bellator is going to struggle to get somebody to beat mm-hmm. unless somebody comes up or comes down as a champion. Um, uh, not the way he would have wished it to go, but Ryan Bader defeating Fedor for a first-round TKO, the retirement fight for what many believe to be the greatest heavyweight fighter of all time. He finishes his career with a 40-7 and record, including a run of 26 wins with one no contest, multiple-time Sambo gold medalist, uh, Pride FC heavyweight champion, Bellator heavyweight Grand Prix finalist, voted fighter of the decade for the 2000s. He's beat uh, Big Nog, Gary Goodrich, Mark Coleman, Tim Sylvia, everybody. Um, the list goes on for Fedor, the last emperor, Emelianenko. Bellator had a celebration for Fedor's career in the cage after the fight, which included appearances by Josh Barnett, Mark Coleman, Randy Couture, the Gracies, Dan Henderson. They brought everybody yeah, out. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, and as a big-time MMA fans and us being a part of some of the earlier moments of the sport, we'd be doing our listeners a disservice to not uh, highlight the career of one of the greatest guys ever. Yeah, I thought... I- like I'll never, I mean, obviously never saw uh, Fiedor fight live, but like when he walked out, when we just went to the Bellator in Chicago, um, I can't even already forgot the number of it. Uh, but when he walked out into the arena, because he cornered um, the main event, Nimkov, Nimkov, Vadim Nimkov, you could just, it was just like this Scary. weird, yeah, like mm. and like you, like everybody just felt like everybody was watching him just walk into the corner, like he just commands that kind of attention and. Um, just he's a presence man. I mean, we were, I mean, we were kind of halfway midway up there, and you could just, uh, yeah, there he just has this aura like you just know you're, you're in the presence of just a bad dude, a legend, and yeah. So um, obviously not a great way to go out. You know, we kind of with the Shogun stuff discussed last last week is just how else do you fade these guys out? You know, and there's never. I don't think there's ever been a guy who announced a retirement fight and it went well. Yeah. I don't know. There's guys who's retired afterwards, like, you know, like Aldo or some other people. But I I don't think I've ever seen somebody say, this is my last one, and then it goes good. Yeah. That's a good thing to look at. I don't know. A lot of times they lose. I mean, Dana's always been a guy that said, like, when you even start thinking about it, talking about it, you put one foot out the door, it's just best to go. And, Mm -hmm. I mean, he's not a fighter, but he's been around it for so long, and I'm I'm sure he has conversations with the fighters that we'll never know of or hear of, and I'm sure he probably – Knows what he's talking about there. There's probably there's a reason he says that, right? So I'll never forget um, the sports science episode where they compared his um, his rear naked choke to like a python. Oh yeah, I remember <laughs> that. I'll never forget that. And I also think, man, the way that they did like bringing people out and kind of celebrating him, it's cool. I think it's really cool. A lot of guys don't even get a presentation, let alone like yeah. getting their flowers in there in the ring. So yeah, think about somebody like Shogun. I mean, mm-hmm. he'll never probably have that moment. I mean, I'm sure he'll get into into the UFC Hall of Fame, so I guess that'll kind of give him that moment. But mm-hmm. yeah, I thought that was a really cool touch as mm-hmm. well. Um, moving into some fight announcements, there's a bit of a reshuffling for a fe- uh, February 18th fight card, where Marlon Chito Vera is going to be moved to f- um, his fight against um, 
Why did I just blink it? Corey Sanhagen. Corey Sanhagen. Uh, being moved to March 25th, Fight Night San Antonio is the main event. And let's so, just stop and celebrate. Yeah. They get a crowd. Yeah, that doesn't have to happen. It doesn't happen in the apex. apex. Oh, gosh. So, so that's huge for them. Uh, with that move, Aaron Blanchfield versus Talia Santos is going to be moved to the main event for that February 18th card, turning that to a five-round fight. Which is, that's a great fight, too. Yeah. That's a fun, like, I'm really... Could know, be a title shot on the line Yeah, there. that's a great fight. I mean, obviously it would have been better as a one-two with, you know, Sanhagen Cheeto as the main event, but... San Hagen Cheeto, they deserve that main event spot and, and in a live uh, in a live crowd as well. Mm-hmm. Um, also, we have Michael Chiesa and Lee Gileong added to UFC 287, which has been announced to be taking place in Miami, Florida. Um, big fight for both of them. Headlining yeah, that, real quick. That's the one with Gilbert and Masvidal. Yeah, so that but, in Miami, and then uh, Leon Usman's the main event. But yeah, no, that, no, that's Leon Usman's in London. Izzy and Pajeda. Oh. Is the main event okay. for that one. Okay, yeah, but... That, wait, wait, Izzy Pajeda is the main event for... 287, yeah. Okay. But... This card, that fight just got added to the card. Okay, okay. The co-main of that was the Gilbert and um, Jorge. But mm-hmm. Masvidal in Miami, I mean, obviously Gilbert, I believe, still lives and trains there in mm-hmm. South Florida, so, but... But obviously Good, good chance that Colby's going to be in the crowd. Oh, yeah. You don't miss that opportunity. Uh, headlining um, for the main event for a February 25th fight night, we have Nikita Krolov fighting Ryan Spann. A uh, big fight for both of them, trying to get their way up to a title fight. Uh, if you tuned into our episode of last week's where we created our Dream International Fight Week, you'll have heard me say one of my dream matchups. And like Nate and Brandon got with their Chandler and McGregor callouts, one of my fights has been announced as we have uh, April 15th. Arnold Allen will be fighting Max Holloway in a headlining a fight night card. Huge fight there for Arnold Allen and yeah. gives Max Holloway a chance to see if he stills, you know, up there with, with Volkanovski moving up. If if something happens and he gets that fifty five title and maybe wants to stay up there, there's a chance for him to maybe make his way up to, you know, possibly getting another fight there uh, for the title. Yeah, you had mentioned it last week and I loved it and when I saw it actually was booked i was like let's go yeah and, and arnold allen fight. you know fight. he was one of them that wanted to have his name up there for what you know this josh emmett um year fight for like an interim and, sure. and get a title but this is i mean this is like a, a 1a 1b here getting a chance to fight max holloway and um and really stamp your name on that and for a little bit of boxing news last night amanda serrano won her fight against erica cruz to become puerto rico's first undisputed champion in the four belt era afterwards they brought katie taylor into a ring to announce the rematch of their highly touted fight that took place last april in madison square garden the rematch will be taking place may 20th in ireland ireland which I don't know if you remember, but that fight between them two was great. Was great. Yeah, so it was fantastic. Seeing them running back is going to be really, really big. I agree. Song of the Week, boys, is Andy, Minio, and Lecrae coming in hot. Nice. It's that time uh, this week. Big pay-per-view. I feel that song for that. Uh, Brandon, what is your one for the people? Uh, fly, Eagles, Fly. Super Bowl next weekend. Home for them. Here's my one for the people. Imagine not being an NFL fan for like 20 years of your life, right? <laughs> or like we'll say 10. We'll say 10's a good. 10's okay, pretty okay. accurate. So imagine you're you're you know 10 years younger and you're like I'm gonna be an Eagles fan. Uh, Michael Vick. I don't know who Donovan. No, McNabb. it was McNabb. Okay, Donovan right. McNabb. I love him. And then you just fall out, right? You decide you're like ah, I don't football, whatever. Well, you uh, start getting uh, into MMA uh, and other yeah. sports, but all right. Yeah, death metal and all that stuff. And then you're like, you know what? I do a podcast with two guys that love NFL. I'm going to go back to my team, right? In 2023, you're like, I'm going to go back and support my team. And that team just so happens to make it to the Super Bowl. Uh, that's, that's Brandon. Folks. I don't know if you know the NFL scripted. That's been talked about yeah, a lot. Yeah, it doesn't uh, matter. So the what? The NFL is scripted. So oh, you okay. Got, Listen, I, it was all your two, your guys' fault. You're the one pushing it. So No, I like it. Here's the yeah. thing. I'm ready for you to experience a Super Bowl with your team because it's yeah. it is the biggest roller coaster ever. Every let's, play makes you feel away and And let's be honest, I'm ready for you to experience the heartbreak because yeah. the Red Sea's coming, baby. You guys don't usually say things that like make me mad. But yeah. the other day, Nate, when we were talking with the whole I don't remember what the comment was What'd from me, but you I remember what you said. You said if Mahomes is healthy, the Eagles will lose. Yeah. Immediately frustrated me. Yeah, then, you're in there then, now. Because then in my head, you're like, okay, so are you saying if the Eagles win, oh, well, pshaw, Mahomes just wasn't healthy, so that's yeah. why you guys won. That's, that's exactly you're immediately, what, it, that's what it's going to be. That makes no sense. That's exactly what that, it's going to be. This is football fandom, man. That's yeah. just a salty, loser-based now, now, now you see why fans fight in the state. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, Volk, listen to me. If Mahomes' ankle, if Volk's too short, 
So if Mahomes' ankle doesn't, if it doesn't hold up, it, that, that's what you're it was, basically. Man. That's the argument you're making. You're making the Volk is too short argument, but just for football. Uh, that's how it works, man. Yeah. Mm. So um, if you have anything, yeah, next weekend. Well, I guess we'll record our episode before the Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, so yeah it's true. So, so we'll get to get your score and everything. We'll, so, yeah, we'll actually my prediction. Yeah, yeah, we'll actually be recapping this card Super Bowl Sunday. So. We won't get a recap from Brandon, but the next week, uh, it's going to be a lot of pain for Brandon. He might show. He might not. We don't know. <laughs> well, oh, you still don't have an Eagle shirt or nothing. Not even a hat. Or, How do you know? Because you ain't wore it on here. You gave I'm me just waiting. You gave me crap last time about cold stuff. Listen, yeah, you des- deserve the crap. Man. But I actually wore it. You've been a fan for how long? You haven't wore you one wear, Eagles thing. I've seen you wear a Colts thing like one you time. Any, all you have is the background <laughs> no, of your phone. <laughs> the two games they won, he wore <laughs> yeah. stuff, Brandon. <laughs> like, what are you have you even went for? to a game? You know how expensive that merchandise is, man? Like, of course, it's taking Well, real in. fans pay the money. Look who's talking. I got jerseys and all types of stuff. What are you talking about? I wouldn't know. I've never seen them. Yes, you have. You can say that. You definitely have. Um... My Purdue Boilers fell yesterday, number one ranked. That hurt, and it hurts worse to fall to the loser scum, IU. Um, man, that was tough, and they got spanked. Uh, did did make a game out of it in the second half, uh, but man. I, but you know what I will say as a Purdue fan, I, I even coming in, I think I told John coming in, I did not believe in this team, and I feel like they're almost overperforming for what I thought they were going to be, mm-hmm. but I didn't think we would get the service that we're getting out of these younger guys. Seems like they fall out of number one, get back in number yeah, one within man, two games. Really, I think they're still just so young, and they're, they're kind of a, a fragile team heading into the tournament. I didn't really even have high hopes as the number one team uh, going into the tournament, but, man, that hurt losing to the stupid losers. <laughs> um so there's that. Uh, that hurts my heart. Uh, John, wearing his Crystal Palace shirt, didn't get the memo that Manchester United beat them yesterday 2-1. to one. So sorry about that. Well, we're that. even, right? Yeah, we are, actually. Good point. Well, it was a tie, and then you guys won one. So sorry. Yeah, so we still have more points on the series, I guess. Just barely. John, what is your one for the people? Uh, my one for the people is I'm actually reading a fun uh, manga. It's uh, Deadpool Samurai. Manga? Yeah. That's a manga. It's um what they do, like the anime is a lot of are based off of manga. It's like oh, a Japanese God. comic okay. book type so, of thing. But the they did one a Deadpool and it's really hilarious because he still breaks the fourth wall and stuff like that. So I apologize, John said anime on this podcast. <laughs> uh, we will be back next week to recap. But you did say those anime hyperfly geese were fire, so we'll give you that. There you go, touche. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no free ads. Oh my bad. <laughs> Take that back. Don't, don't listen unless you're gonna give us free stuff. Bye. We'll be here next Monday to recap UFC 284. Until then, we'll see you guys. Peace. Peace.